Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's my birthday on Sunday and I'm turning 48, so you know what that means. Holy shit, I'm nearly 60. My name is Justin Hamilton, and I'm slipping on the cardi for today's Big Squid. little information up the top of the show before we launch into today's episode. Tomorrow I start a four-week contract working behind the scenes on a TV show, so I have no idea what my hours are going to be like from one day to the next. So what this means is we will still have Big Squid episodes each week, but instead of the episodes dropping on the usual midweek schedule, you might be getting the shows a little bit earlier or a little bit later. It'll turn out when I kind of know how the schedule's working. I'll probably try to aim for earlier. So just kind of giving you a heads up so you can keep an eye out for that. The good news is I have pre-recorded some interviews in the lead up to this. So we're all sorted and we have some bumper content coming up for the next month. So anyway, this is just a heads up in case the schedule becomes a little haphazard. To be honest, I'm so excited that I'm earning money for the first time since March. There's a distinct possibility I'm going to explode with excitement. Regular money. What's up with that? You know what it's like. The life of the comedian where you can earn hundreds of dollars a year. Also, a reminder that we have the first live Big Squid podcast taking place on October 3rd at the new Giant Dwarf in Surrey Hills. We have a big lineup that includes Richard Feidler talking about his brand new book, Ben Elwood comparing Tenet to Cats, Beck De Unamuno discussing her impro career, and then Rebecca Melrose and I are going to showcase Beck's talent with our trophy night idea. You might remember us talking about that in a previous podcast. Cal Wilson's friend Adele will be making appearances and our musical guest, who is also our guest for today's episode, is Georgia Mooney, who will be discussing her love of Joni Mitchell and providing us with a taste of her considerable talents. 
You can find tickets at giantdwarf.com.au or over at our Facebook page. Just so you know, we've also kept the ticket prices as low as possible because we know a lot of people out there are struggling financially and we'd hate for you to miss out on a fun night because of a lack of coin. Now, the numbers are limited. Uh, That's basically because Giant Dwarf is very good at being a COVID-safe place, but there is plenty of spaces for you to jump on board early, so we would love to see you there. And uh, please come down and we'll see what a live show is like. I have no idea what it's going to be like. It's going to be the first one. So come and see us before we become too good at what we do. And it's all just a little bit too slick. Now, before we bring in Georgia Mooney, I'd like to talk to you about a book I devoured last week. Do you ever find a novel amongst your pile of to-read books and wonder how it ended up there? That was my first reaction when I picked up Agoda Christoph's The Notebook Trilogy, a book I think I remember buying but have no idea why I bought it in the first place. And I might even be wrong. Someone may have given it to me as a present. I have no idea where it came from or how it turned up. And to be honest, when I first read the cover, The Notebook Trilogy, I wondered if it was the original books that the movie The Notebook was based on, the one with Ryan Gosling. But then I remembered that movie was inspired by the singular novel that was written by Nicholas Sparks. So this book was a very different beast. Now, I didn't know anything about a go to Christoph before I started reading uh, her work, but discovered she was an award-winning Hungarian writer who lived in Switzerland and wrote in French. That's just a little bit clever, clever, isn't it? <laughs> Born in 1935, Agota had to leave Hungary at the age of 21 when the Hungarian anti-communist revolution was suppressed by the Soviet military. She began her writing focusing on poetry and theatre, but it was this trilogy, The Notebook, that brought her the most acclaim. In 1986, the first novel, The Notebook, was published. Then 1988, the sequel, The Proof, came out, and by 1991 she had completed the trilogy with the final book, The Third Lie. It is a trilogy that in many ways defies an easy description. I'll give it a go, though. It would be a hell of a review to then just say, it's really good, and then just move on. So this is a story about twin brothers Klaus and Lucas, or maybe it is about Lucas and Klaus. This is a story about their lives, or maybe it is a fictional story about two little boys who wished they were twins. These twins have separate names, but their names share the same letters in an altered form, and they tell their story in first-person plural as if they were one. It is a story that chronicles the everyday haunting of war, and these children are moulded by their surroundings and the unspeakable horrors they experienced during their childhood. The twins can be gentle and cruel, mature and childish, acute and obtuse, and they tell their story in a way that feels removed, devoid of feeling, a reflection of how the effects of war and trauma can dehumanise those people who have to bear witness. They live in a village that is devoid of a name, in a nameless war that is devoid of hope, surrounded by people struggling with the world they find themselves trapped in. The language is sparse, but there's still a beauty to the way the words dance together, and the further you plunge into the story, you find yourself swept away in the rhythms of the words. I knew nothing about this book before I began, and I think that is the best way to experience the story, but I will say that the second book in the trilogy segues into first-person singular, which provokes all sorts of doubts about what you have read in the first book. 
By the third book, we are immersed in narration within narration, which mesmerizes the reader until discovering the reality of the truths at hand. I'm going to read you an early chapter from the first novel, entitled Grandmother's House. Grandmother's House is five minutes' walk from the last houses in the little town. After that, there is nothing but the dusty road, blocked a bit further on by a barrier. It is forbidden to go any further. A soldier is on guard there. He has a machine gun and binoculars, and when it rains, he takes shelter in a sentry box. We know that beyond the barrier, hidden by the trees, there's a secret military base, and beyond the base, the frontier of another country. Grandmother's house is surrounded by a garden, at the bottom of which there is a stream, then the forest. The garden contains all sorts of vegetables and fruit trees. In a corner, there's a hutch, a hen house, a pigsty, and a hut for the goats. We have tried to climb onto the back of one of the biggest pigs, but it is impossible to stay on. The vegetables, the fruit, the rabbits, the ducks and the chickens are sold at the market by grandmother, as well as the hens and ducks' eggs and the goats' cheese. The pigs are sold to the butcher, who pays for them with money or with hams and smoked sausage. There is also a dog to keep away thieves and a cat to keep away mice and rats. We mustn't give the cat anything to eat so that he's always hungry. Grandmother also owns a vineyard on the other side of the road. You enter the house through the kitchen, which is large and warm. A fire burns all day long in the wood stove. Near the window there's a huge table and a corner bench. We sleep on the bench. From the kitchen a door leads to Grandmother's bedroom, but it's always locked. Only Grandmother goes into it, and even then only at night to sleep. There's another room which can be reached without going through the kitchen directly from the garden. This room is occupied by a foreign officer. The door to that room is also locked. Under the house there's a cellar full of things to eat and under the roof an attic where Grandmother doesn't go anymore since we sawed away one of the rungs of the ladder and she fell and hurt herself. The entrance to the attic is just above the officer's door and we get up there by means of a rope. It's there that we hide the notebook, Father's dictionary and the other things we have to hide. We have now made a key which opens all the doors in the house and made holes in the attic floor. With the key we can move freely about the house when nobody's in and through the holes we can observe Grandmother and the officer in their rooms without anybody knowing. Christoph's story doesn't offer any redemption and this is an unapologetic story that embraces discomfort through her physically and morally deformed characters. It can be confronting at times and deals with subjects that are often taboo and untainted by sentimentality. Christoph's writing can feel like a bare-knuckled fighter in action, concise and brutal, but I also found it beautiful and compelling. Have you read this book? If so, I'd love to know your thoughts. I can imagine tackling this story at the wrong time and being overwhelmed, but I couldn't put this book down, this strange book that turned up in my to-read pile through unknown means, and even though the story drips with grief, I was ultimately pleased to have made the journey with Klaus and Lucas, or Lucas and Klaus. Our guest is musician and singer Georgia Mooney, who you may know from the band All My Exes Are From Texas and her own solo work. Georgia moved to the UK but returned to Australia when struck down with COVID, which we will talk about in the chat. 
Before we launch into the interview, if you haven't heard Georgia in action before, here she is with her band, All My Exes Are From Texas, performing the song When The Sun Comes Up. I couldn't say exactly when I couldn't say exactly how It wasn't like I'd expected it And I couldn't say exactly why Oh, 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 
I'm really curious about people who are writers and singers because what I want to know is what did you start off as? Did you just start singing as a youngster or did you start writing and then did one just naturally follow the other or were you singing and then thinking, oh, uh, there's songs I want to sing and now I have to write them? Like I'm curious about how it all begins. It's a good question. I think, I mean, when I was a kid, I just wanted to be a pop star. Like I wanted to be in Spice Girls, basically. Yeah. And then probably once, you know, my mum introduced me to musicians like Joni Mitchell and Neil Young and James Taylor and Carole King and all these songwriters that she loved. That's when I thought, oh, okay, so you can you can write songs and and that seems more that seems more up my alley. But for ages, I thought that when you to write a song, you just sat down at the piano and um, there would some sort of spirit would enter your body and it would just sort of press the keys for you. <laughs> so I I would I would try that, sit down it and be like, okay, just wait for it. And then it wouldn't happen. I go, oh, well, it's not today. Then <laughs> we'll see tomorrow. And I genuinely thought that probably from I don't know for a shamefully long time in my early teens. And then eventually worked out. No, you've got to you've got to make decisions um, based on your own musical knowledge to get to writing a song. But in movies and art and all that, they never show you the slog. <laughs> like you know, it's like in the Doors by, and suddenly. You know, they're all just hanging out, and then next minute, one of them's like, doon, 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 doon. it's like, hey, what's that tune? <laughs> and then the song just comes together magically, and you think, wow, they're geniuses. And what it actually is, is 27 takes of being slightly off or slightly on, and that's how you get a good song. Exactly. And then it took years for me to realize that, you know, it's hard to just sit down and think of something out of thin air. You kind of need, often, you need a bit of inspiration, and whether or not you know, in many cases, that's listening to something else and thinking, oh, I quite like that bass line. I wonder if I sort of did it a bit like this and, you know, subtly ripping off other things <laughs> to then get to a, to get the ball rolling. But um, so that took years to work out as well. I mean, it's really hard writing songs. <laughs> it's really hard. But I, I, it, all the great artists have done that. Like there's so many artists like going back to, especially in pop music, where they'll take a little as you said, a bass line from here or, or the, the hint of a melody mm-hmm. there and then they use that and they twist it around and then it becomes something completely new. Like my friend's kid is, uh, she's uh, Rose is about six, I think, six or seven, and lost her mind when I pointed out that David Bowie's Starman, you, the chorus, you can sing somewhere over the rainbow to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And sometimes, yeah, it's just the feeling of a song or something or the, or the sound of someone's voice or the sound of yeah the sound of the reverb or the sound of the I don't know drums but um yeah but I haven't having said all that I haven't written a song in ages (laughs) do you find you go through stages where it's like I have all the inspiration I've accidentally written three albums and then there's just times where you think oh I might never write a song again (laughs) sort of I don't I don't I often have long gaps between, so I don't really panic about um, periods of not writing for a little while because I'm not, I've never been one of those musicians who can sit in a room for six hours and just noodle away and noodle away every day. I sort of quite like other stuff, you know, Um, but, and it, and it's sort of, yeah, I had to, I had to overcome that, that perception that unless you were that sort of intense um, and one tracked about it, you weren't really a proper musician. So, um, 
you know that thing. But I tend to, when I'm writing, I, I like to remove myself from my normal situation and go away somewhere for sort of like three or four weeks and have a big, like proper chunk of of writing every day, but like on a little sabbatical. Um, so I've done heaps of those and I have, um, I've actually got an album written, which I was meant to record in LA in May, but that went tits up, Justin. Why was that? Like what could have happened <laughs> that you would not be in LA in May of 2020? <laughs> well, you'd never believe it. Yeah. Global virus. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so now I'm kind of just sitting on all these songs and, and um, f- yeah, well, well, for a while I was contemplating what to do next, but now we're, we're going to try and do that album that we were going to do in LA long distance. Oh, know? yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? Like these, this world has in many ways closed down, but in other ways we're suddenly doing things where we realise, oh, you know, you actually don't have to be in the same room. You can do this from a distance, like even what we're doing now. But but by the way, I just need to let you know, before we hooked up on Zoom, I literally put on some spray so I didn't smell and then remembered, oh, <laughs> I'm certain that you can't smell me through the through the screen. That That's hilarious because I genuinely had a breath mint. I was like, I just don't feel like I can have a conversation <laughs> with someone without having a breath mint. And I poured myself what I'm now noticing is a very large glass of rosé. Oh, so, that um... is a spectacular size. That is fantastic. <laughs> oh, that's fair enough. It's quite good. It's, uh, you know, it's in the Settling PM. In. <laughs> uh, so I'm curious about the album that you've made because, like other songs, are you worried that the songs, uh, that they still maintain a relevancy or because of everything that's been going on and that you've experienced recently, do you look at some of the songs and think, oh, they were created by somebody else? Well, I mean, that is a good question. And I think, weirdly, what I'm actually finding them more relevant uh, maybe because, you know, prior to this, I thought they maybe sounded a bit too emo. And now I'm like, well, no, emo's about right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> all the feelings seem sort of heightened and valid. But, um, I mean, yeah, is it real? It's certainly not, none of the songs are about a virus. Um, so, yeah, but all, but I mean, I I feel too attached to them to kind of throw them in the bin. I kind of feel like I, it takes me quite a long time to finish a song that I, even if I thought um, this is outdated, I still probably would be too attached to it to throw it away. Unlike a like it's a different thing to a comedy set, I imagine. And I I often think about the the similarities and differences between music and comedy, but like. But, you know, I imagine there are lots of comedians who have written sets that they were going to do at the festival this year and all the festivals, and then now that's going to potentially be a year old and you are looking at throwing an hour of material away, Um, hopefully not entirely, but potentially depending on how much of a kind of, I don't know, social commentary it is and things like that. But, yeah, my songs are much more general feelings. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny because I did. Uh, I performed two shows at the Adelaide Fringe. One was a stand-up show, and one was uh, a one-person play. And the one-person mm. play is still kind of mildly prescient because what inspired it was the the fires and because of the smoke in, uh, in living here in Surrey Hills. And I know I was in Surrey Hills, which is a fair distance away, but 
couldn't open the doors for you Still know intense. months on end, etc. And so it was all yeah. This play was about isolation, and so it turns out. That play's still good to go, but the stand-up show, I would probably, I'd probably have to lose at least half. I'd say I'd have to lose half of it because it would be a bit, yeah, out of date all of a sudden. Which is heaps. I mean, yeah, that that breaks my heart. Um, but I guess also the other thing is that a lot of, I mean, there are songs that were sort of written in a bit of. Um, a sense of existential crisis because we have been in sort of existential crisis for quite a while, you know, like there's been the bushfires and climate change and all the things. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's really ramped up of late, but it's still it's always been bubbling away. I have to say I'm excited that the songs are a bit emo because I... I... I quite like emo. Like I think emo music to me is, I've mentioned this before on the podcast, to me emo music is glam rock for kids who grew up in the shadow of September 11. That's all it is. <laughs> so, of course, emo that's should be great. making a comeback because it's it, that's how glam came along, you know, and after the, the hippie explosion of the 60s collapsed in on itself and everything was kind of dire and everyone put on makeup and looked amazing and then you had the new romantics in the 80s looking wonderful <laughs> with glitter while the threat of nuclear war was there. I feel like Emo is is ready to come <laughs> back, just needs a new title, right? Totally. Um, I think maybe Emo in my in my situation is just a shortening of the word emotional of and course, not necessarily yeah. a, re- <laughs> a reference to the genre, but I like the idea of like a folk emu, emu folk emo <laughs> sort of hybrid. Well, I'll work on it for you, Justin. It's just, it's just folk music with makeup, isn't it? <laughs> That's what John Lennon yeah. called glam. It's just rock and roll with yeah. lipstick. So... And a hair straightener. And a hair straightener. Yeah. Folk, folk music with glitter. And <laughs> um, people might not uh, realise that, uh, unfortunately, you you came down with COVID pretty early on as well. I think you might have been the first person that I saw online. Patient zero? Yeah, I think it was you. You brought it into the country. <laughs> and uh, <Shit>. Congratulations. <laughs> but, as if I didn't feel guilty enough. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. But uh, oh. but it was it was one of those things I think I said to you when we were having contact, I wanted to reach out, but I also knew that people would be reaching out and there's only so many times you can reply <laughs> with the same thing, even though people are being nice. It's like, yeah, I've got it and it's shit <laughs> and this is what I'm going through. But uh, But how are you now? Yeah. Well, um, oh, well, thank, thanks for saying that, by the way, mate. And I, I would not have been weary of any messages, um, but that I understand. Um, <laughs> um, well, now it's still it's still a lingering bastard. I got to say. I mean, I definitely want to say at the start that I I I didn't have it nearly as badly as obviously many many thousands of people have, right. and um, but. It did hit me much more than I expected it to. I think because I'm 31 and otherwise pretty healthy, um, I sort of thought, because this was er really early March, like you say, and I sort of thought I'd bounce back, you know, in a couple of weeks, feel a bit shitty for a while. But Sorry to interrupt. Were you coming back from the UK? Is that when you got it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd moved to London um, at the end of February and been there for one week. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's okay. Worst things have happened. Um, so then came back and, yeah, tested positive 
here. And it was then I, sp- I spent seven weeks in isolation, fully, full isolating, can't go outside, sick as a dog. Um, and in that time, you know, was really unwell and up and down and, and went to hospital a couple of times, never had to go on a ventilator or anything, but, um, it was pretty rough. I mean, I think that, I think the thing that is the weirdest feeling as a patient is not knowing what to expect at all. And the fact that no one can tell you anything either. So we, I would get, ah, Sorry, my phone ringing. I would get a phone call from a New South Wales public health nurse or doctor every day um, checking how I was going, which is amazing. And I'm I'm just in awe of the, our public health system. But anyway, um, and and then yeah, but it, with every conversation, they'd sort of go, okay, okay, yep, yeah, right. And they're learning at the same rate that you are, and yeah. they can, and they're sort of like. I'd, well, yeah, well, I don't know what will happen next, but maybe keep an eye out for this and this and that's at this point maybe call the, call the ambulance. But, um, yeah, it's a weird feeling having no map of what the symptoms are going to be like or, you know, if indeed you will recover. And so, um, yeah, now it's been six months and I've still got lung damage, which is a bugger. Um, but it's getting better just slowly, but it's, it seems like it's just such a weird thing that can kind of, um, have, you can have a completely different experience to the person next to you for no apparent reason. That's the, that's the thing that's really terrifying about it, isn't it? Because that's why it's easy to have it spread because people can show no symptoms whatsoever and just be flopping about doing their thing. What was the moment that uh, do you mind uh, sharing what was it that made you realise that you had it? Did you think you just had a bit of a cold to begin with or was there something worse? Yeah, well, at the time um, <clears throat> in London, that's COVID negative. <clears throat> um, <laughs> in London, I started getting a bit like a sore throat and a headache and, yeah, I thought I was coming down with a cold. That was It did feel weird because I wasn't snotty Um uh, but I felt just, yeah, really tired and headachey and things. I didn't think I had it because I just, yeah, I just really didn't think I had it. I did, at that, oh, because at the time they were saying, unless you've got a persistent cough and fever, you probably don't have it. But even if you do, just stay at home for two weeks. And I didn't have either of those. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
symptoms at the start. So I, I thought I oh, oh, can't be it, but I'll stay at home for two weeks anyway. And then, and then after that two weeks, I flew back, I flew back to Australia, which now I feel terrible about, um, getting on a plane, but, uh, it's better that you were here though. So much better. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when ScoMo was closing the flights and it was sort of like, quick, hurry up. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I was I was sure when I got on the plane, I just had a little headache, and I was sure it wasn't COVID. And then after I landed a day or two later, so around the two and a half week symptom mark, I just massively crashed and felt much much worse. And that's when I got tested in Sydney, and it was positive. But in hindsight, I realise now um, that it was definitely in London because I had absolutely no sense of smell or taste and we didn't know about that one at the time but I just remember thinking this is so weird (laughs) and I still it still hasn't completely come back oh god like losing losing taste to me is like food is wonderful I know I know don't ruin food COVID yeah and it's also the only thing you can do when you're isolating for seven weeks like I was just eating baking cakes that only I could eat and um that was really the only joy there was, was food, but it was sort of numbed. Oh, no, that is – now I'm really upset. Like, I thought it was bad to begin with, but uh, when you can't enjoy cake, like, what is happening here? Are there any uh, misconceptions that are still prevalent that drive you a, a bit insane when you see them floating around? I think because we have had uh, low numbers here, apart from recent experience in, in – poor old Victoria, Um, I think we unfortunately now are experiencing a bit of complacency in in that, you know, people still, a lot of people still think that you're probably going to be fine if you're young or if you're healthy. Um, But, you know, I'm participating in a study of patients um, at St Vincent's Hospital and through that study I've also I've learnt a lot that, yeah, your age and your health, your relative health, actually doesn't necessarily have an impact at all on whether or not you will survive or recover or have ongoing symptoms. So it is, you know, you're probably going to be okay, but it's definitely not a guarantee. And so I still think there's a bit of, I think it's, I think people are getting more cluey about it now, but there's a bit of misconception about that. Yeah, that. And you also live underneath a 5G tower, and that was... Uh, <laughs> oh, well, you, yeah, sure. th- There's that as well. <laughs> and there's a whole other kettle of fish and masks and, you know, all that shit. <laughs> Are you a bit scared coming into summer, like, that people will think, well, it's sunny now. Now you can't catch it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm a bit scared. I don't, yeah, I'm always a bit scared now. I would hate to get it again. Um, that'd be a bummer. But um, I, I feel I'm, I'm just crossing fingers and toes that we manage to keep things at a low level um, or get back to a low level in Victoria, obviously, and and until the vaccine comes along. It just bloody yeah. better come along. Yeah. So that's the... Yeah. A friend of mine whose uh, husband who is a... Uh doctor and has worked with uh, the World Health Organization, she was saying mm-hmm. that uh, she feels pretty confident that it would be the middle of next year that we'll have a vaccine. Yeah. And that seems like I was reading that the quickest vaccine we've ever created was for mumps and that took four years. And that, was, mm. and, But if you take into account, you know, 
the improvement in technology and the fact that there's lots of uh, people working on it. That seems like, oh, yeah, the middle of next year, that seems about right. Yeah. Well, I think that's the thing. The fact that all the brains and all the money are focusing on this thing is, a yeah, that's that's pretty positive. And the doctors that I'm, that I'm working with in infectious diseases at the hospital are all pretty positive as well. So I feel like, well, those people, they know what they're doing. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, remaining hopeful. Yeah, absolutely. And the... You know, the thing is, is it's stopping people from making money. So if it's stopping people from making money, then the people with money are going to invest a lot of money to fix it because they want to make more money. (laughs) (laughs) True. It's all all about money. (laughs) It's in their best interest. (laughs) So have you started writing new stuff to go with the album you already created or are are you worried that you will write a COVID album or would you be up for writing a COVID album? Well, I've well, I think no. I've been thinking about this a lot because I mean for the for the best part of the last 6 months I've been pretty sick and just focusing on resting and recovering and have had no kind of mental energy for writing. But also, I just feel absolutely bone dry in terms of inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just I don't know how you have found it or and I've I think I've talked to friends who are feeling similarly that it's, I mean, it just feels like you're walking around with a big rock in your chest and there's not, there's nowhere to really get a song from, even a sad song. I don't know. I just can't, I can't, I can't muster anything up. Yeah. Um, and also I just don't know if people are going to want to really reflect or remember this particular period. Like when you're, writing songs you're sort of you're making a little diary entry of of a moment and a, and and then revisiting it and revisiting it and revisiting it and I don't know if we want to do that I don't know if I want to do that as a no. performer or if an audience wants that either you know if we'll be opening this photo album and going well oh, yes remember the sense <laughs> marks so. I don't, I don't know. It's a, such a good point. I, I think people forget that about uh, from the performing side of it as well which is do I want to do I want to create something that I'm just coming back to for the next three years when hopefully I'll be feeling like, woohoo, ready to go and do something <laughs> else? And I, let's, just, yeah. let's go back to these miserable times. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it'll just be better remembered in, you know, crochet and knitting and uh, that kind of <laughs> arts and crafts. <laughs> yeah, and uh, people's myriad photos of baked goods on Instagram. That seems about the <laughs> exactly. way to go. So yeah. what have you been listening to lately then? To uh, Do you listen to music for inspiration or do you just listen to music to enjoy it? Mm, uh, well, both, definitely. Um, I was finding it, yeah, when in the thick of things, I, I needed to listen to people. So I was listening to a lot of podcasts and I was listening to a lot of Radio National, which I find really comforting just all day. Um, But music-wise, yeah, the thing that I was sort of turning to was kind of like folky music of kind of the people that I sort of see as like the forefathers of folk, like Joni Mitchell and, and all the kind of traditional songwriters who were just guitar and voice and beautiful poetic stories and that, yeah, I was finding that sort of the most nourishing thing. Sort of anything later than the 70, 75 was kind of getting a bit too modern and, and I couldn't relate. <laughs> it was like I needed it to, <laughs> just getting too irrelevant. Um, so it needed to sort of be transported back to, um, yeah, I don't know, cafe and 
Greenwich Village or something like that and, and just listening to someone pouring their heart out. Um, Have you ever seen the movie Inside Lewin Davis? Yes. Oh, do you, <laughs> so I have to say I'm going to give away the big points in it, but uh, that movie where <laughs> he finally gets his big moment and sings for F. Murray Abraham <laughs> and, and there's that long dramatic pause and he just says, I don't see any money in it. And you just go, that is <laughs> yeah. That is one of my favourite worst moments in a movie of all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm, I'm going back to the days of no money in it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. it's, a, it's, all, it's all kind of a, it's a very true uh, art form at that point, isn't it? I think so, yeah. It just sort of feels very human and very, um, I, yeah, I suppose sort of poetic. And it, yeah, it's not got all the sheen of, big production and all that kind of thing. It's just about songs, stories. Yeah. So mm. I went back to uh, listen to the full discography of Roxy Music and alternated Ooh. between uh, the Roxy Music albums and Brian Ferry's solo work. And that was <laughs> that was a real joy that got me through nine weeks of isolation of just listening to these, the evolution of that band. And his. I didn't realise... The majority of the songs that he does on his solo albums are covers, essentially. Yeah. And yeah. What a what a joy just sitting there and uh, watching Brian Ferry grow into the person that uh, gets covered in Lost in Translation. It was a really fun time. <laughs> Pretty cool. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I I did a uh, um I occasionally fill in on mornings on Double J and did you know a call out sort of to what people were listening to in this time and it seems like it's a I mean. And obviously, but it's a whole spectrum of things. Like people are, are, you know, some people are turning to folky stuff or some people are turning to like metal or some people really need to dance or like it's however you sort of get your feelings out is I find that quite interesting. Has there been anything new that you've been listening to? Uh, I listened to the Fiona Apple album quite a bit and the I really got into the Childish Gambino latest mm. one, which sounded a bit Stevie Wonder slash princey somehow i have been listening to laura marling's latest album and i've always liked laura but this album i just adore i feel like it's really hit, hit the sweet spot in terms of my covid needs but also it's just yeah it's so beautiful it's kind of it's like um sort of bit back to basics again sort of guitar and just beautiful beautifully structured song lyrics and a sort of simple arrangement around them and it's just beautiful i love it oh, so exciting um, when you find that album that just kind of hits you somewhere in the middle of the chest and you just go well totally. we're going to be friends forever yeah and you can listen again and again and again yeah. and you also said to me when i got in touch with you uh you said that you've been watching peaky blinders and i have to tell you i'm i'm <laughs> yeah. peaky blinders curious and it's it's been one of those shows that i've nearly started a few times because it has a lot of people in it that i love including uh uh Killian murphy oh, and mate. tom hardy and so many others yeah. and so but i have to also oh. be honest and say to you i don't quite know what it's about other than Killian's mm. blue eyes and nice hats. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, all it needs to be about is Killian's blue eyes for me to be hooked. Yes. But um, he is a, such a draw card. And I think it's that thing definitely when you, you – I realise how much an attractive person really affects my enjoyment of a film, <laughs> which is pretty – 
it's pretty bad or a series. Um, but doesn't it's so good. You've got to get into it. Yeah. Basically, it is about. I think it's a kind of interesting. It's an interesting period and an interesting storyline that you don't see that often. Where it's like between the world wars, um, <clears throat> in Birmingham, and it's kind of follows a group of brothers who fought in World War One and then have come back and they've got PTSD and they're kind of la- like they're in the lower classes. They're sort of largely neglected by the government and society they're sort of thrown back into relative poverty after just sacrificing their lives and things in world war one and they're kind of like pent up and don't really know what to do with themselves so they're forming gangs and having and gambling on horses and having all these fights and it's so good and i love it because it looks it looks beautiful, even though it's kind of gritty and grimy and muddy and filthy. It still manages to look beautiful, probably because of those 20s and 30s costumes and things as well. Oh, yeah. And the soundtrack is awesome. So it's like the theme song's Nick Cave and then the rest the rest of the soundtrack is kind of like rock and roll stuff, which sort of somehow manages to complement this period piece really beautifully and kind of make it a bit edgier and a bit kind of rawer and oh it's it's great oh so it's um so it's music from uh, different eras uh placed over the top of it which is, is that is that what you mean like from different eras uh, as in uh like it's modern music is that right is yeah it's modern music right. it's modern rock music right. basically um and it's always mixed high so it's quite in your face and um it's yeah at at first like when I hear that I sort of think oh that sounds a bit off-putting to me (laughs) but but like as a concept but when you watch it and and you're into it it's yeah it's it's so good I like that as an idea uh I just started watching Lovecraft Country and they did so that's set in the 60s and they had a scene where they were going, uh, the African-American uh, trio were going south. And instead of actually using, uh, maybe it's set in the 50s, it might be set a little bit further back, but they, mm-hmm. instead of using music, they used uh, James Baldwin's speech about uh, how black people are perceived and, and uh, uh, how they're mm-hmm. treated. And having that over the top, even though it was from their, the character's future, really kind mm. of infuse the scene with uh, a quick identity of what's going on at that precise point in a very sharp and succinct way. So Yeah, totally. Yeah. It kind of yeah, it's some it it it, uh, it sort of doubles the impact somehow or other. It sort of juxtaposes and yet works really well. Yeah. Cuz when you get it wrong, it's it's awful. But when you get it right, yeah. it's like um <laughs> Inglorious Bastards when you get <laughs> yeah. Giorgio Moroto's version of Bowie's Cat People and you go, I don't know how this is working, <laughs> but it's working. Yeah, this exactly. Is great. And, yeah. and you have a new podcast coming up soon, which we're kind of allowed to talk about, we're maybe allowed to talk about. No, we can definitely talk about it. I'm the I'm only anxious about talking about it because I'm I'm very aware that you're a superhero expert. <laughs> I spend a lot of time alone. Yes, is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> 
<laughs> no, no. Um, and this podcast, it's called Simply Marvelous, and we it's with Karen Wheatley <laughs> and Reese Nicholson, and we are watching all the Marvel movies <laughs> um, in order, and then chatting about them over a rosé or a G&T. Um, but it's very much a beginner's level, like there's very little insight going in and there's also very little insight coming out. So it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty basic. I feel like you could be appalled by some of the things that are said, some of the ignorance. No, not at all. I'm fascinated by what you would be experiencing because – you know, the character of Iron Man up until that movie was <laughs> in in the comic book world a three tiers down character because yeah. uh, because Marvel nearly went bankrupt in the nineties, so they sold off all their biggest properties like X Men to Fox and <gasps> and Spider Man to Sony and the Hulk to Universal to try and stay solvent, and then yeah. what happened was when they started making movies. To be honest, they would have been like, oh, fuck, we've got Thor and we've got, oh, we got Cap and we've got Iron Man. I guess we could do the Avengers. And that's kind of, that's where they were on the pecking order. And to see right. where it is now, like yeah. teenage me is a bit confused. <laughs> he can't, yeah. can't get his head around it, really. Well, that makes sense. Cause we're, so we're up to... Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, number 10. Um, and that is... That seems like a whole nother level of things. Oh, that's a that's like that's like E-level. Do you know what I mean? Like of, of yeah. tiered characters, it's like... <laughs> yeah, th- right. There would be some people who read comics who would have been saying, what the fuck is a Groot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it comes... At, yeah, and Groot comes at about... At, yeah, they sort of come out of nowhere. But it, it makes sense to me that they're sort of... And Reese has a bit more knowledge of of the Marvel, you know, world, and has been watching them and reading some comics since since it was all you know happening. But I'm I'm coming in now, knowing that the Avengers is this massive thing, and having seen you know the odd movie, but knowing that it's this ginormous, gigantic thing. But seeing them from the start is interesting because you can kind of te- like you can sort of tell it's a bit of a scramble. <laughs> For a little while, I think, um, but I'm but I'm also just loving watching these movies at the moment because it feels like such a good time to watch films where there's an obvious goodie and an obvious baddie, and you know there's wholesome principles, and we're trying to save the world, and it's just like oh yes, I really want some COVID Avengers. Um, that's what we need. <laughs> that's exactly what we need. That's why they. That's why they are popular. Like people often wonder, God, why is there such a proliferation of this kind of stuff? And it's because not many people want to go to the movies at the moment in general, but yeah. especially seeing compromised uh, antagonists who you don't know if you should really be on their side or not. Well, yes. Well, we've got politics. Like yeah, we, we've got exactly. we've got the everyday world. And, but you know, um, the creation of Iron Man back in the 60s was a, uh, when Stan Lee was creating him, he deliberately tried to make the most unlikable person you could make a superhero. And that's why he's, uh, in in the 60s, he was uh, an arms trader in Vietnam. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Wow. Okay. So then he becomes in the movies. He's an arms trader in the states. In, in well, in Af- well, but you know, he's over in Afghanistan, isn't he? Yeah. So they yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of update it, but it's uh, what's good is there's there is a little built-in frisson within the origins of the characters anyway. Yeah. So then that let like you're not grafting it on. There is something in the DNA. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's also interesting to watch it. I mean, even it's, you know, the first one was 2008, I think, and just the differences sort of politically, that's not that long ago, but we've been, you know, doing the Bechdel test. Right. (laughs) And it's yet to pass. We're up to, yeah, movie number 10, and there's still not been a conversation between two women that's not about a man. And, um, Yeah, the Iron Man movies in particular, there's a lot of objectification of women. But it's that thing, yeah, where he's sort of unlikable and lovable at the same time, which is the whole Robert Downey Jr. vibe. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, yeah. he's he's definitely bringing a lot of uh, positive (laughs) and negative baggage to make that character completely (laughs) fleshed out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I'm just loving sort of slightly two-dimensional characters who are good or bad. I don't want too many complexities. I just want um, to, to have a sense that people want to save the world because if you're looking around these days, you don't know if people want to save the world. So it's nice to just be lost in that and on the telly, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's family entertainment. Like people also forget. Yeah. Sometimes uh, I particularly enjoy people my age saying, oh, that was a bit shit, that was a bit lame. And it's like, you know, this is actually for kids. To be. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's okay for us to enjoy it, but also remember <laughs> the person who's meant to be upset is my 12-year-old friend Jasmine, not, you know, yeah. 47-year-old Justin Hamilton. <laughs> but I do love it. I get so riled up. It's really, it's just bloody good fun watching a good superhero movie. Yeah. You can't beat it. I'll be curious to know the, the movie that, uh, if you're looking for things that improve, you know, like the special tests and stuff like that, uh, the yeah. one that I reckon will you will be most happy with, and I'm going to throw it out there, is Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Mm, oh, yeah, and yeah. that's going to have a yeah, has extra a impact now. Yeah. But there's, there's a lot going on in that movie uh, that is quite fascinating. And uh, you, mm. you, I think you'll finally... <laughs> get some of those tests passed. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I can tell now that people are starting to get, they're becoming more layered and there's, and there is some, there's more, uh, it's not all black and white, there's shades of grey and, yeah. and there are, yeah, as the politics are changing in popular culture, you can see that kind of slipping into the movies as well. So, yeah, it's good. It's a fun time. That's um, a that's a good fun <laughs> podcast to do and most importantly, <laughs> It has a great title. It's simply marvellous. Um, and But I, I do also feel like it's the one thing that, you know, there were all those videos and those memes going around saying, whatever you do during this time, do not start a stupid podcast with your mates where you're just chatting about something that you find entertaining and no one else will. That is not what the world needs right now. And yet we've done that very thing. Well, you know, I look, on the one hand, I do agree with that, but that's not stopping... <laughs> a lot of really angry white men from putting together some podcasts. So, okay. you know, yeah, I think we're allowed yes. to create as well. Like that. We can make some jolly uh, gay men and 
and jolly women making podcasts. Yeah, yeah. There's room for everyone. You know, we got to, yeah. and you got to, you got to keep the creativity flowing. Um, I won't uh, keep you any longer, but um, I'm wrapped to finally uh, have you on the podcast and be able to chat with you. And you're also going yeah. to appear on the live show at uh, Giant Dwarf. And yes, I'm excited. Yeah, that'll be fun. Have you done? Have you had an opportunity to perform live yet, or will that be? No, that will that will be the first since. Yeah. February, yeah. So it's yeah, it'll be it'll be a real treat, mate. I Thanks know. for having me. No, of course, yeah. it's great. I I did uh, gigs at Giant, the new Giant Dwarf, which is I think as a performer you are going to be wrapped because it okay, is awesome. uh, low ceiling and it's yeah. it's a nice box. the 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 stage isn't too high off the ground, yeah. so you 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 yeah. know, and they're doing a really good job of like. Everyone who's on gets a microphone, so you're not going to yeah. be sharing microphones. They take your temperature when you come <laughs> okay, in. Okay, cool. Everything's cool, cool, cool. It's like you're performing in the coolest hospital ward, smell-wise. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I adore Giant Dwarf. Yeah, yeah, I love Giant Dwarf, and I was so sad when they when they had to leave that the other venue. But um, and I've been meaning to get to the new one. But, uh, yeah, it's not happened yet, but I, I'm, I'm pretty pumped. And hopefully so you'll be, be able awesome. to bring your shows back at some point. I, yeah, totally. I mean, I, I, I really want to keep doing the supergroups. I did love the old venue for the big theatre space for music, especially when you've got kind of a seven-piece band. Oh, yeah. I didn't it, think of that. Having a big stage and having a big space is really awesome. Yeah. yeah. But for comedy, great stuff. You know, you know, and uh, those those intimate <laughs> folk shows that uh, you've always that, wanted to do. Exactly right to four people. Yeah, <laughs> no money in it. Getting back to the roots. Yeah, but it's uh, you know <laughs> it's pure of spirit. And uh, yeah. <laughs> at this point, I'll exactly. take anything as a win. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people find you on on the socials? Uh, you're pretty uh, uh, around on like Instagram and stuff like that. I'm an Instagram gal, yep. Georgia Mooney. Yep, yep. Um, Simply Marvelous will be coming out soon. We haven't released an episode yet. We've recorded nine. I believe we're releasing them next week, so that'll right. be happening. And then, yeah, I'm just squirreling away trying to record this um, album, which probably won't come out till next year, but that's that's sort of all I'm doing at the moment. <laughs> no, that's, but that's still a lot, right? So <laughs> yeah, uh, something. Send, send me the links to uh, the podcast, and we'll we'll put them on the big squid page because I have a feeling. Awesome. Uh, I, f- I have a feeling that this audience is going to be wrapped to hear <laughs> your thoughts on uh, these uh, movies. So that'll be a lot of fun. But uh, oh, it will be good. Thanks for joining me today, and I'm looking forward to seeing you in person and uh, giving you a wave from one and a half meters away on October. 3rd. <laughs> me too. <laughs> thanks, mate. Thank you. That brings us to the end of today's episode. A big thank you to Georgia for taking the time to chat with me. You can find Georgia over on Instagram at Georgia Mooney. Mooney is spelt M-O-O-N-E-Y. And you can find more songs by All My Exes Are From Texas on Spotify. Also, her new podcast with Kyron Wheatley and Reese Nicholson, Simply Marvellous, 
<laughs> still a title that I find hilarious. Uh, the three of them are together watching the Marvel movies in order for the first time, and they've dropped the first four episodes, so that's covering the first two Iron Man movies, The Incredible Hulk and Thor. I'm going to post links for all of that over at our Big Squid Facebook page. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love it if you could leave us a super-duper review over at your favourite platform that you use to listen to us. Remember, the live show is on October 3rd. It's actually not that far away, and you can find details over at giantdwarf.com.au or, once again, over at our Facebook page. Next week, Ben Elwood returns to recap The Dark Knight. Yes, we're up to The Dark Knight. And comedian Rachel Melanta checks in from Canada with her new segment. I figured since Georgia is going to be talking about Joni Mitchell for our live show, maybe we should have a quote from the great musician. Joni once said, Keep a good heart. That's the most important thing in life. It's not how much money you make or what you can acquire. The art of it is to keep a good heart. I hope your heart is good and strong too. Until then. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.